hey, I'm Larry Michelson, uh, Lawrence Michelson, to my people who aren't my friends, uh, <laughs> but uh, feel free to call me Larry. I am, uh, I am chairman of the Michelson Group, which is a vast collection of a bunch of people doing a lot of interesting stuff, trying to address community problems, quite honestly. I mean, that's my motivation. Hey, it's Kellen in Versified Game. I am excited to be able to give you this game because I found this guest. He's a member of the Miami-Dade Chamber, which I tell you is a great chamber if you're here locally to connect with. And the way he was just introducing himself and the way he was talking, I knew that this would be a great conversation for real game. You guys know, I don't like this. Hey, get rich quick and let me bring you this. A lot of you on here have said, hey, how did you get the former congressman? I said, who are you talking about? Um, I, you got the guy who owns the Steelers, the whole family. I said, oh, Mr. Rooney. You guys, I don't do names. What I do do is game. And I'm giving you game where people, I ask them honest questions, I get an honest answer, and they are free to be them. And so that's the whole purpose of Diversified Game. So don't ever think I'm just bringing you a bunch of names. But Lawrence Larry Michelson, he's going to give us the game. And if you get head on his last name, he's going to give you the game on what a last name can mean so your last name too can carry weight to your future seeds that's what it's all about y'all larry god bless you man welcome to the show how are you doing phenomenal i really am i i, I don't know this this has been i know covid has been hard and a lot of people have lost you know um right before covid i, I had a crazy experience and i get all sad but but we experienced the loss of a family member the head of our family you know, mm -hmm. and so the COVID was a many ways like supposed to be the regrouping and it turned into the distancing. And so like for me, I had just gotten sober like in 2018, like legitimately quit drinking. I went, I'm a Florida State alumni and, um, and, uh, and ambassador, if you will. And my kids went, and my wife went. So now it's like generational thing. And so I went up there to celebrate probably my daughter's graduation. And I don't remember anything. And um, it was kind of at that point, I was like, mm, your neurologist said, you should probably stop drinking like 150 times. <laughs> you know, my psychologist, which is not something men are comfortable talking about. My psychologist is fascinating. Her family has actually profited millions in the spirits industry. And you know what she does? She leads people to sobriety. And she kept saying to me, she said, you know what? Go to AA. And when you do, you can come back and see me. And then COVID hit. And I was in AA, like hardcore. And then I was like out because not that it wasn't for me, but I think I got my lesson. Don't drink. Larry, don't drink. I'm telling anybody else what to do. I'm just saying that was my lesson. And then all this other stuff that they say came clear to me, you know. Um, but also, my father had drank. They killed him. And so uh, a couple months before my wedding, we had to decide whose name to put on on the invitation and he decided that it made it easy and i was all of a sudden into this world of where oh my god i'd be a man and i started working in the family business right around that time and it was just mind-blowing i mean i got to do some amazing things but at the same time uh, people knew me they knew my dad i couldn't go anywhere without i still can't go anywhere without being recognized you know so the mask and the, and the sunglasses of COVID have made me happy, but then I got sad because I was like, there's a lot of problems in the world, you know? So, so I, I said to myself, like, what can I do? What can I do? I, I started talking about sobriety and, you know, all of the kids and sobriety also has to do with mental sobriety and lately has to do with just not picking up those drugs. The other drugs will kill you. You know what I mean? We watch athletes. We watch sports. That's a whole world die. We watch our neighbors die. We bury a lot of kids. We just buried a kid last week. Did two, three weeks ago that died of taking a, a fun pill. It should be a fun pill, you know. Everything was fun. Playludes when we were kids. I mean, you, you probably you're too young for that, but you know people joke about that. And so mm -hmm. I think some of the mindset is of older people when they look at younger people doing that, they're like, I don't care. 
I don't care. And that's a scary, it became to be a scary thing. And so I started looking around and I was like, what, who's really doing something? You know, I'm listening to you. I see you. I see a lot of other people doing things, but um, the, uns, the unsung hero will be the guy in the background who's, who is producing these things. I, I feel like in some ways after surviving being a single parent and single child and all this other nonsense and addiction from family. I feel like I can, I can show some people not how to make the same mistakes, you know? So when you say, you know, with this sobriety, I, you don't know this, but I, I worked with youth from college and beyond in group homes and sober homes and you know and i really like working with the youth but whether you're a young person or old person and everybody out there you guys have some vice you're addicted to something so if you look at somebody who is struggling with something you may not be don't look too far into the mirror because it's right there but with sobriety it's really replacing one negative with something that's positive. What did you find that could keep your mind off the drugs to where you could focus on the business and working on your purpose? Um, I was, there was, first of all, let's just break this down. Doctors give you stuff. That's all they can do. So what they give you may or may not work. And if you start to look at statistics and I got pictures of them and we could show them. And I talk in round numbers like you do. A lot of people are misdiagnosed. A lot of people are unheard. There is a vast community, women, people of color, uh, people with the inability to communicate. Um, as someone who has a brain injury, you're hearing me very clearly now, but that's because I just slept for 13 hours. You know, That's because I got up and had my yogurt at, at 8, 8.30. You know? um, people don't understand and and don't want to understand. This is the thing. Like if, if you just, just stop for a second and say, oh, what if it was me? What if it was me in that wheelchair? I ride a bicycle, all right, that's my analogy. And when I ride on the sidewalk, it's dangerous because a sidewalk is not meant for a bicycle. It's meant just to keep you from getting killed by a car. So there is in fact no solution for all problems with one thing. You know, there is no one solution. And, and so, I, so I sit back and I say to myself, um, being a parent was the most important thing. Pre being a present parent, whatever came after that, being a, a loving husband and being a good son. Um, and so I actually had to make some choices about it with my family, about how to talk to them, who to talk to them. It's very difficult. It's not an easy thing. The easy things to do nothing. Write mm. that down. The easy thing is to do nothing. But when I write that down, I write it down next to this note and it says long game. That's what everyone needs to learn. That the, the, the way you survive everything to reach the destination, I don't know what it is for everybody. For me, I, it would be easy to say I've reached it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, through, through, through doing the one thing that no one expected by staying married for this time, I know that me and my wife will be comfortable in retirement. We won't be rich, but we won't be poor. You know what I mean? We won't have, we won't be able to do the things that my parents and grandparents did for me, which makes me sad because there's a whole nother story behind that. So if you want to write that down, you can talk about how, you know, working in a family business and the promises, uh-oh, that they, they turn the blower on from the, from the maintenance company. Can you hear okay. it? Okay, I can't hear it. So we're good right okay, now. Cool. I'll let you know. All right, yeah. all right. Okay. Um, and, and so, and then I got half a dozen people who, who I've said, you know, who have, who, because I, I know a million, a million people in town, you know, um, they say to me, what happened when you were there? So I have a choice. So I can be graceful and I could say, oh, you know, I just left and I did my own thing. Or I could tell a whole story of family addiction and how, you know, I, I don't, you know, it seems messy. I don't think messy is the best story. Um, I'll get messy. People need to get messy when they're doing this work. 
but you know, we don't have time to be that messy, you know, to break people down and it really explains to them how wrong they are. You know, that's a skill some people just have. I feel like I, in a lot of ways I was born with it. You well, know? let me so ask you me, this. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you this because messy, I'm going to let, I want you to save that for your book. So when you write your book, like John Grisham, <laughs> they can, they can, they can read the book and you can change the characters. Right. But it's safe to say that your grandparents and your family had, um, they had riches. They had, would well, you say wealth? Um, how does that impact you? Cause some people think if I only get there and then I can give it to my kids, but how, you know, how do you make the person, like, how do you maximize it when you don't overspoil them? Like, give us the game, how growing up was so, and how that. So, yeah. well, let me tell you what I learned recently. Economists will tell you, so keep me, I don't go too far in this. Economists will tell you, and then this is what business leaders compensation. You know, there's a job called compensation person at different companies. There's even one on every corporate board. And what their real job is, is to look at numbers and see if they're ridiculous or to minimize them. So if you or I go into a job and people don't know we're famous and have whatever influence or whatever, they might say, oh, go be Steve in booth four, right? And he gets $40,000 a year. He doesn't know they have $175,000 a year on Steve because he spend on Steve because he makes a million. He never asked a question. He goes by, they don't care. You know, the only people that's ever going to care about you, hopefully is a mentor, a family mentor. But even then, that's where it gets dicey because when you go down that, that, well, my name was Michelson. The company's image had started to, well, didn't have a representative in the field. And it was still a very analog time. So we're talking about 1992 to 1997. I went out every day and sold my family's name that had already been in for sale for 40 years. It was so easy. I would get customers be like, oh, oh, you, I, and then I walk in the office. I was like, you see that on your wall? So like, How much does it cost for me to put my name on your wall? And he's like, you can't put your name on my wall. I said, but they, I think I did. He said, what do you mean? I said, well, turn it around. And then my name would be on the back of their plaque. And boom. It was like they knew me. Because, and, and just to cap that off, like my family built the Silver Knight Award. So recently, uh, uh, Justice Jackson was, was uh, put onto the Supreme Court. She possesses a Silver Knight Award. You know what I mean? Like my mm-hmm. family, my fingers touched those awards. So every day comes by, I'm like, I touch greatness all the time. Like, you don't even know, I don't even know the people that I'm touching. And, and so I just, I kind of just said, and I even had this conversation with my mom last night. I said, mom, it's not that I'm sensitive. It's that I have aspirations and some of them are political. So I don't want people talking about me. It's just a bottom straight line thing, you know? I don't think I'm ever going to be the president or anything, governor or anything. But if you live a life that is purer, then you can help lead other people. You know what I mean? I pay my taxes. I don't steal towels in hotels. And, you know, um, I don't cheat on my taxes, strangely. <laughs> um, you know, um, it's just, I think it's just a, 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 like, to go back to your previous question, which is, what are you willing to let happen to your name, to your brand, to your company? You know, um, I wouldn't be comfortable with having a movie on Showtime about how I turned my ride sharing service into the greatest business on earth, but I was insane. I just wouldn't be company comfortable with that, you know, mm-hmm. and that story keeps repeating and sometimes it gets worse. You know, I have a daughter that's 22. I don't want people looking at her in that way you know what i mean that makes me angry so i have motivation i don't know it's, it seems to be like just the right time to tell a pretty good story i mean it's a great time to tell a story and people need to get the lessons because here everybody is trying to get riches get wealth and then you see you know and you hear blue bloods and you know hung chinese they'll tell you like those folks who grew up in it they're like i was miserable in that life i'd give anything i changed my name because i didn't even want to be attached 
And so it's like, what can people who are aspiring to get more money? It's like the scriptures say, what is it a man to, you know, gain the world and lose his soul? And I think a lot of folks, you know, their soul is wrapped in some keys or a house and they forget about the kids. So what lessons could you give someone to say, you know, take time for your family. And these are some things that could have helped me and that I'm doing for my kids or that I wish I would have done. The, the, the things that, the first thing that I learned and I am living with and um, working with um, young friends, in many cases, uh, my children's uh, friends is, is that the plan your folks had for you probably wouldn't apply to you. So if you are ever in a situation where the real serious stuff is on the line, with property, money, all those things. Get your own representation. Get your own lawyer. If I had my, had my own lawyer and not relied on the family lawyer who was working on behalf of other family interests who went through millions of dollars after my father died. You know, as an example, there's a large insurance policy. Everybody says, oh, aren't you rich because your father died and you own this? I'm like, no, I, I had a stepmother. You know, I was at her wedding. I didn't know her wedding would lead to me getting no money. You know, I was all for her getting married to my dad because she was a great cook. But in retrospect, she was just an enabler. She allowed him to get drunk. And so it was a very dysfunctional relationship. I extracted myself out of that when I went to, when I went to college, found a, um, a, a mentor who turned out to have a really difficult problem with alcohol, you know, we would talk about this in his, in his later years. And um, so alcohol was not something that I could escape. You know, even now everyone goes to wineries. I don't, I don't get this whole, why is everything in football stadiums, college football stadiums, we're back to drinking alcohol again. You know, like, wasn't there going to be a space where we took a break from alcohol. So everybody didn't punch each other in the face or shoot each other. <laughs> yeah, I mean, legitimately, the way things are going, the way I read politics, we're going to be able to carry guns in football stadiums. So we've eliminated every barrier that barrier there is to having a gun, being drunk and hitting somebody with it or shooting. It's just everything's a little bit broken. And, and my, my thing is everything's a little bit stupid. I'm on a mission to make everything a little less stupid. Well, you know, a lot of people in politics and, you know, when you say a gun at the, the game, yeah, I, I'm a Raider fan because I'm from Oakland. And so yeah. I'm like, I could only imagine in that new stadium in Vegas, right? Everyone drunk. But do you, do you still believe, do you at all believe that, you know, politicians can change things? Because globally, my thing is politicians change very little, but the people can change a lot, you know, but you got to work together with unity. We all win. So what are your, your things on politics? Because, you know, it, it, it's a game and the lobbyists, they know what they're doing and they've been playing it for a long time. The, the, um, I, I was, I, I was really uncomfortable and I actually walked away from politics. Like I didn't stay in Tallahassee. I went to work for my family business. Um, the last job I had was, um, I was assistant to the Senate president of Florida, uh, Gwen Margolis, who was the first woman to lead a Senate presidency on a state level. And so uh, when I had reached that point, I had already gotten through all the nonsense. I knew the players. I knew the game. Um, I didn't know how it would change so radically. And so my response to the radical change was to retreat. Uh, in the campaign we were in, that's how dirty this was. In the campaign we were in, we were running against a very conservative re Republican. Um, the incumbent Democrat and leader of the Democratic caucus, he's passed. Uh, I hope his son doesn't see this and get mad at me. Bill Lehman sent out a mailer in support of Clay Shaw. Now, I'm not saying Clay Shaw was a bad guy, but Clay Shaw was not a Democrat. Clay Shaw was not going to be in a position to... Well, let's put it this way. Clay Shaw was one of those people that we knew would be in a position to create what's happened today. Mm. How about that? I like to get brief when we talk about current events like that. I can get mm. real short. The problem is the, the, the foundation that was laid. And I know a lot of them. 
And they didn't do it for that purpose. Some of them did it for business. Some of them did it for power. Some of them did it for money. But for the most part, they didn't do it so they could disenfranchise and disempower a whole mess of people. How about that for blunt lawyers? And you can't do sh- anything without a lobbyist. Mm-hmm. You can't do anything. You got a good community organization behind you, partners with a, a, a chamber of commerce. And that's why, like, when I look at, I, I'm a very active member, was a very active member of the Greater Miami Chamber. Um, in the last 10 years, I stepped back. Um, but I always supported the Miami Dade Chamber. My father, in, in the old days, he, 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 if I'm not mistaken, they, they couldn't pay their bills. Nobody could pay their bills. Remember this. This is not anyone in particular. Back in the old days, everybody had money, which said that slow in a check and take 90 days, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that was us. So it didn't matter. We could give credit to anybody. So we just gave credit to people who were doing good work. We, did, we gave credit to organizations, um, Jessica in, the, in, the, in Miami, which is, is a great organization, Jesse Trice Health Center, I mean, um, uh, New Birth Baptist Church, all of these people. And you know what they said? They said, you guys are all right. And before that, for 30 years, we were located on 54th Street in Miami. Everybody wants to be on 54th Street in Linwood and Little Haiti. We were down there before it was popular, you know? And so people remember the name. And then as they remember the name, I'm worried about what legacy will be attached to that too. Like, what could I do to help those around me undo the problems that I might help create in that regard? So I'm concerned about that question. You know what I mean? Like, because for the mo- most part, pa- the, the answer is go run for stuff. Because mm-hmm. if you keep running, and even if you lose, you'll eventually win. Everyone eventually wins. If you need any help with that, give me or you a shout on how to get started running the camp, running the campaign. Opening an account is so easy. Going out and saying, "I don't like this. I want to change this," but that's dangerous in these times. It's no, it's it's, it's as dangerous as being Chris Rock on stage at the Grammys. <laughs> let, let me ask you because I've heard I've talked to some politicians, and one he was a Democrat, and he said, "You know, it's hard because we can't change things because," and I'm like. That's that's a very defeatist. Like, I don't even know if you want to stay in politics if you think you can't change because of the state you're in and because of how you like it's politics is a game where the very talented have shown if you can, you know, this is what you want. Let's try to compromise. But to say what we can't do at the same time saying I'm running for this, I find it to be it's it's like, why are you here? Is it just for the office? But it's what office? So we understand that the Mm -hmm. mission that the Republican leadership was on, United was on, was to change the courts. Mm -hmm. But there's things we don't know about the reasons why. We don't know things like Donald Trump just did it because that's what people thought that that needs that that wanted to hear. But the people underneath them were on a lifelong mission to win what just happened a couple weeks ago, you know, to take. Mm To, to begin chipping at rights. See, I, I have a theory. I'm going to write this down in my book. People think that shooting, school shootings are about violence. They're about trying to hurt people. They're not. They're, they're an indicator of how much damage has been done to the safety of the classroom. They are, and every time somebody goes out and does another one, it's like they're saying, oh, we're not going to let this issue fall from the from the mainstream. The only, we know the only way we can get it is to blow ourselves up. You know, that's that works. The monks lighting themselves on fire back with the beat in the beat, you know, in the 60s and 70s gets attention. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it's, it's difficult to light yourself on fire in the name of an issue because I still got to feed myself. So walking the fine line of service without being doing a disservice is a question I throw back on everybody. What is it you want to accomplish in your community? What does your community need? You know, I, I could give you a very distinct example of one I foresaw in my community. In my community, they were going to redevelop a golf course. So that's a park, right? They were going to put homes on the golf course. But that would have opened up this entire neighborhood to the presence and it would be the only neighborhood in the entire county of 5 million people where 
sex offenders could live. This is 25 years ago. I come out of criminology. I don't know what I know about sex offenders. Okay. I don't know. There isn't the technology to monitor that to feel people today. There isn't the thing. So my only response was, I don't want the guy who's a sex offender living here. We need a park across the street. Work, work your way up long game. So eight years, it takes them to build the park. During that time, the sex offender kidnaps a child. I can give you documentation on any of this and hold them hostage right next to my pool. Nobody knew. 13-year-old girl. Mm. So I'm trying to respond to that problem in general. And the illustration of what's happening is going on right here, right now. That guy doesn't live here anymore. And no one that has that in their background can. But that's how I protect my family and my neighborhood. Nobody's going to see that. I used my I used power and influence to influence the outcome to make sure a park was put within 1,200 feet of my home and all the homes in this area. And so you have when you have a specific goal, if your specific goal is to get rich, it's going to be hard. You know, there are people that are already qualified to do everything. I am by partnerships and relationships qualified to do anything almost anywhere. And I am a white man but I'm disabled, you know, the certifications, the, the things that everyone holds everyone back and they get stuck on are stuff that's already done for them. Where do I start is the question. And the question, for example, I met a, a, an awesome, awesome young man. He's working in, his, his, he owns a security guard uh, company. And so I just engaged him. I was standing in the line, talked to security. I talked to everybody, talked to the security guard. How do I get bonded? He says, I have no idea. No idea, Sterling. I said, let me text somebody. So I text somebody um, who is the owner, who is the minority owner of a five or seven state security company, you know, global security, Steve's great, great guy. And I said, Steve, would you mentor this guy? I, I actually, I kind of backed up. I said, do you think you can answer a few questions for him? And he said, sure, have him call me anytime, tell him you said to call. It's not that I'm saying, because Steve's not going to answer every call. I've kind of vetted this, uh, this person. I figured out what he wants, that he knows the easiest path to get there. And I can maybe point him in the right direction. I don't have a solution. If he needs money, there are some people that have money. So the answer to your question is taking the people with money. And instead of having them invest or buy stupid stuff or you know, whatever, they could still buy, invest some of it in the community. You know what I mean? Okay, why don't they? And I say that because, you know, I, well, I'm, I'm saying polit politics are always going to be politics. Right. But we see certain, you know, there'll be bills that are passed or the way that it's passed. And it's not done with like the concern of the people to say, hey, we're doing this because the people say this is what they want. You know, you can Look say it Florida. about. Mm -hmm. Look at Florida. I don't want to interrupt you, but I, I but uh -huh. my brain injury makes me say, let me give you this example. Okay. So Florida went through this process where we put anything in our constitution. You can sign in petitions all day out in Florida. You see people sign, give me sign this, sign that, sign that. They get paid a dollar a piece and that goes into a fund. So if you want to get petitions, you needed to have 500,000 signatures say. So if you paid a dollar a piece plus the printing and all that, you need to have a million dollar operation to run something. But in that time, a lot of people figured out how to amend Florida's constitution to do stuff they wanted. Do you know? that you can't fish off Florida's shores with a dragnet. They tried yeah. to get that through the legislature for years and they couldn't. So the people who were the environmentalists said, ah, we'll, we'll just write a petition, got on the bat. You can't keep pigs stored in a pen in Florida. That's illegal, yeah. unless it's been changed. So let me, let me caveat by saying, I haven't checked on the, if a court case you ruled <laughs> these things, but one of the things, for example, that created an industry um, amendments to the Constitution, obviously, is the cannabis, Florida cannabis. Um, you know, and you're seeing investments. Literally, banks are built are never built in Miami Gardens, but there's two true leads there. You know, yeah. like in Wynwood, they're they're down there. They're taking the money out, but now they're hosting festivals talking about this stuff. And ironically. 
I, I have seen so many people that have been caught up in the criminal justice. So I have a degree in criminology from Florida State. Never used it. Didn't want to be a police officer. Wasn't sure after going through. I, went, I saw the Gainesville murders as an intern. So for people that will flash back or you'll post the link, <laughs> the Gainesville murders were some guy trying to kill people. And like, I wasn't ready for that. You know what I mean? Like, you got to be older for that. And I was, but I was like, I was already leading my fraternity and doing stuff in state Florida Senate. And I was out there and I was about to graduate and I was, had the choice. Like, do I want to go become a cop for $28,000 or $22,000 a year, which has no future, you know, or did I want to go into politics, you know? And so I just said, nah, I'm not going to do this, but I see how broken the system is. And I challenge those and work with those that are trying to address the problems. We just, a good friend of mine just helped pass um, the uh, Tenants' Bill of Rights in Florida, which was signed by somebody who would, people, for most people, would go look at the governor and say, I don't like that guy. But he keeps doing things that I see, I like. Like they're weird things, taking on the FPNL, the power company. You know, everybody wants to be sponsored by the power company. Please don't ever say you want to be sponsored by the power company. I mean, sold out. No offense. It just is fact. <laughs> When you talk about it, like they have fought against solar power. They legitimately, they're like an ice company that's fighting against us having freezers because it'll sell more freezer, they'll sell more ice. It's an insane creation, a monopoly that has so much power. And I say that knowing that they're te huge technology investments, but people get involved in, because they're so desperate for money, they get involved in projects that don't know, they don't know are backed by people who they might not philosophically agree with if they sat down and heard 10 minutes about it, you know? Like, I don't, I don't wanna fight with people that have nuclear power plants and nuclear power, but I'm gonna tell you that I don't know if it's the best way. I don't think it's the best way. And they have them. They're a real would, danger to Florida. I always laugh when people who talk about the government so bad say, but only if, I got some of those RFPs or those source of SOTs. So 100%. the problem is it, yeah, it's not the government so, necessarily. It's your so piece that you're getting. What you need to know is that when I left working for my family business, um, there was this huge pot of money available. And this is kind of what educated me some problems in criminal justice called uh, community development block grants. And there were also beautification and blight dollars, huge amounts of dollars. So I actually left my family business and I made them fire me, although I don't know if there's a statute of limitations on admitting that. I made them fire me. I said, get unemployment. I went out there and I started contracting. About took about seven months after unemployment was over. I got my first contract with the city of Coral Gables, which I got through introductions. I had already been active in the Coral Gables Chamber of Commerce. Um, they had a problem. They had somebody in-house doing it, but that person wasn't fast enough. And Coral Gables was a rich city. So they hired me. And their change their pocket change was riches to me you know like i still have those check stubs it's like the only thing i keep because it's the only thing people believe if you watch you see me taking in four grand a month from a city you understand i think you understand i know how that works you know mm -hmm. and so the problem is is and this is what i try and explain to my wife and hopefully she'll never see this she wants to know where is the money that's something she got from her father that's something that comes from the streets of Philadelphia, you know, that, mm -hmm. that, that they learn there. It's like, give me the money, then we can talk. <laughs> the problem with Miami is I come from Miami Vice where everything is a conversation. You know what I mean? It's like everything, I hate to put it like this, but I feel like dealing with stuff in Florida, everything's a drug deal. You're talking about stuff you shouldn't be talking about. It's for profit. It's probably going to hurt somebody. And in the end, you won't be blamed for it. I mean, nobody knows, nobody knows the origins of so many things that they dislike in this, in, that came up in the last 30 years. I'm going to give you an example. Hopefully there's some people that went to college before me. I don't know if it's still a thing. The Gordon Rule. Do you have to write the Gordon Rule? Where you no, write 30,000 words in order to get your bachelor's degree to prove you are literate. Oh, it's no, the Gordon no. rule might have another name now. Well, uh -huh. I knew Senator Jack Gordon 
And because of the people, and I thought he was awesome, but because of the people that brought me into the process, he hated me. What a, what a tough situation, you know what I mean? Like for years afterwards, even with stuff that we were doing where, and this is the default, this is what the problem is with party politics. Because I'm sitting here super capable and ready to engage again because we have a chance to win. I wasn't willing to do that for the more, for the less conservative. I'm not going to say liberal. I'm not going to pigeonhole out for anybody that's philosophically on my side, who I'll only ever work for. That's what I learned from Bob Levy, that as campaign consultants in the 80s, and you'll see this, it culminated in a movie on HBO uh, about Roger Stone and the ballot craziness that took place in the Bush administration, you know, in that day, on that day there when they stormed our elections. I was there, but I was there for a different reason. I was working for a pack. I didn't even know all that was going on, to be honest <laughs> with you. I can uh. tell you I'm the smartest part. I knew what was happening. I didn't know. See, that's how well the parties operated. So the Republicans, who I was really good friends with, some still now that, that are running hospitals and stuff that were state representatives. See, that was the other thing. Term limits. Term limits destroyed Florida because the people that were there when they were enacted were good people. Now, they didn't fix Roe versus Wade. They didn't fix voting rights. They were all Democrats. You know, something something is missing from my mathematical calculus. Larry does calculus in order to figure stuff out. Why didn't they do that stuff when they had a chance? Why are we in this situation now? Because we could blame Ruth Bader Ginsburg for passing away or not living a couple more months. But the truth of the matter is, is that people don't ever want to get rid of the power. They don't ever want to rid themselves of power. And there's a lot of people already that are profiting from it. So there may not be room for you, Mr. Guy. Now, if you pick security or if you pick cleaning toilets or if you pick cleaning buildings or if you pick COVID sanitation at the right time or selling gloves. And there's a whole story, backstory about some fraud over almost a billion dollars of fraud that the government engaged in buying gloves when all that went down. See, that's just poor planning to me. That goes back to a theory we'll talk about and I'll write that down. That's a big versus little. So if I'm a chamber and I'm out broadcasting my message or if I'm a group that's out to empower people and I'm on TV, why aren't I paying people to go door to door and look for the problems that I'm trying to empower people to solve? I mean, it's just really just that simple. That's what I tell people when they say, how do I fix this? I'm like, go walk the streets. And the next thing you know, they're in the legislature because they've already done the work. It's a trick. Yeah. You want a, you want a yeah. petition, petition? Let me tell you something. Petitions, a petition is a pile of garbage just waiting to happen. That's why an electronic petition is awesome because it's useless. I remember I went on the, I used to give tours of the Capitol to, to, to high school students coming up from South, South Miami for John, for John Cosgrove. He was, was a really good man, you know, really good man, torn by being there a long time, torn by something that I call, and I'm going to call it out right here because we're in Florida. I call it the gator effect. And, mm -hmm. and, and if you want to ask me what that is, it's basically yeah. an extension of campus politics in the University of Florida. If you look around, for the most part, Florida has been run by alumni of the University of Florida. Um, as term limits came in, however, this is an example of, I think, a proof of what I'm saying. A lot of local people got a chance to run. And so what you saw, <laughs> this is incredible, and you can see it by the construction. We built a football stadium in Tallahassee, right? Mm. Now that's surrounded by offices and it's legitimately used as clubs and all this other stuff. But I mean, at the time, why? Because prime time went to school there? No, it's because some smart people knew college football was all there was. Name, image, and likeness was gonna be what it was. So you can take that back and move back and forth. So now even when I go up there, um, the relationship I made through politics gave me access to the Senate president who became the president of my university. You need to build these things. These things are not going to be done for you. The hard work, the fun work, it's fun. Go and be in Leadership Miami.
don't be in leadership Broward. Go be in leadership Tallahassee. Go be in leadership Jacksonville. Go be in any anywhere. As a matter of fact, part of the effort that I did when I was in leadership Miami was to bring the national leadership conference to Miami because that's what Miami is, tourism. So everybody wants us to help bring the groups we're involved in to the table. So they can arm us with certain skills. I'm still carrying out those things when i have corporations coming in from out of town i just hit them up literally call them one of them makes electric boat motors it's a solution to pollution in the bay electric boat motors all them idiots out there riding around with gas motors are killing us i can handle the noise from their from their sound and the radios but if you could just take the gas out of the water we can we can fish in there again and so mm. i found this company and i call them up and they're like yo you can go down and meet our ceo he's here you can go on one of our boats i'm like for real it was that simple. I didn't, it didn't take any genius. I linked in. I called them. I've been following them on LinkedIn for a few months, commenting, commenting on stuff. And next thing you know, kaboom, I'm there with the CEO. It's not hard. It's just not hard. You got to just go do the work. And, and keep in mind that I think that game of hunting for the RFP, I think we might have sussed it out. Me and a, a pretty good friend are like, seems like that RFP might be a process by which they go to figure out everyone who wants. And then since they know there's only one person, if they like that person, they'll give it to them. If they persons whispered in their ear and they heard that name before, they might give them a quarter because they got that power. But ultimately at the end of the day, the, the, the contracts are gonna end up where they're gonna end up. And you could just look at who they were given to before and one of those people will have gotten them unless something horrible happened. You know, and well, so that I, I've said that wait, game you need I, to partner up on. You know, I need you. I need you guys to rewind what he just said, especially if you're even thinking about RFPs. I have told people every RFP that we've got a sliver of, we knew before it started. We knew before that it went out to RFQ status that we were going to. And it's get not a illegal knowledge. It's not illegal mm -hmm. knowledge. It's not that they broke the cone of silence. It's more so that we figured it out. So we know what the pieces and components are of the puzzle. Now, when legislators stay in an office for a long time, what you will see is their aides would then become lobbyists because they knew not where the pictures are, although a lot of them do, but where the keys are to the engine that makes things work. You know, yeah, we're all yeah. fighting over a hundred thousand dollar this, do this, that, that contract when just go on the county commission website. Everybody elected our, our mayor. She is amazing, but she's a Democrat in a highly diverse community. So that diversity worked in her favor because you know she was running against somebody who was Latin. So she took some terms, changed, altered her name, added a Latin component to it. But what you don't understand is I was reading the county commission consent agenda. So this is something no one argues about. I watched them handle $700 million, some no-bid contracts. Those, bid, those, those no-bid contracts, those are who you want to be one day. Mm. You want to be me one day. You want to be, I don't know, I don't want to be controversial, but he's my favorite comedian, but it's so controversial. Um, there's a moment at which Dave Chappelle says, Donald Trump takes a call in one of his stand-ups from the president of Taiwan. And the only problem with it is that there is no president of Taiwan. Taiwan is an independent territory. What concerned him that there was no one in the room to tell him not to take that call. That's the role that I feel like I, I have come to play and that I would like more people to play. If we saw, if we had more people in the room on January 6th, that might not have happened. You know, Dave said that back in 2017, and it's still nobody has this McNitton's character. So I have you know, a lot of people that I'm that's their text. They get a text from me and up pops McNitton's. Somebody called me the other day. Can you open a safe? I'm like, sure. I can open anything. I get there. They got a safe. I got a picture of it. They're like, you can't open this. Locksmith wanted $500. I said, give me eight minutes. I cut that safe in half. That's not a real job opening safes. That's it's <laughs> actually the that's a skill of a, of a criminal. You know what I mean? <laughs> the thing that you have to recognize is that this game requires all the skills. 
And that's why when people say, well, I just want to hire extra dealers as my salesman because they know the game, you know? Yes. I'm not saying it's always rigged. You got to still put your paper up. You got to get your paper. My big thing is paper. I love paper. I have a degree from Florida State. There's nothing you can do to take that away from me. My wife's got a, a, a master's and beyond that from FIU. Can't take that away from her no matter what happens to her. My daughter got a degree. My son's on his way to degree. Get that paper, but also get the certifications. So I'm a diver. Uh, I'm, a dr- I'm learning to be a drone pilot. I'm studying. Um, I, I'm a licensed air conditioning mechanic. Like, like when, I, when I broke down and said I can't do this anymore and work, down there and my kids were of a certain age it wasn't broke down my kids got to an age where they were in elementary class and i'm gonna fold this stuff up and not do politics anymore went and applied for a job ended up as assistant manager and currently probably i'm the smartest person i know when it comes to replacing compressors and air conditioning and most people don't even know what that means but i could Hmm. also make any voltage out of anything i could do anything with electricity this is not fascinating at all what does it mean though it means that anything electrical I can diagnose and fix. I can't weld it. I can't screw it back together, but I can tell somebody to. Sometimes I can do that. And so those skills, they don't just make me a great dad or a man or anything. Anybody could have those skills. They're just me. You know what I mean? I just, I dispense them freely. Today, what's today? Uh, Thursday? Yeah. Today, today, me and my partner usually spend afternoons fixing stuff for people for free. And everyone hates that, but I like to say it because I want more people to do it, not because I did it, but because they can, because they're comfortable enough. They made their bread for the day. They made their paper, made their note for the day. And one more job means that this old lady will have air or this sick person will have comfort and live a little longer. And that's the thing that I do. Like, and I want to talk about it because people, you know, I've been doing it long enough. I could go get dozens of people to say, oh, yeah, Larry stood in my broken house forever. You know, this was broken for three months and it cost them 10 minutes to fix. And, and that's the that's the difference. Like when you ask, is anyone doing this work on the rich people side? I, the answer is yes. Are they doing it as organized as they should be? Are new people wealthy that didn't know that they have this responsibility? When I went down with an injury, I was sidelined for a long time, and it was through the help of my network and but of a few close friends that still go unnamed that made it ab- me able to get to this point. Now, what I do from this point is really a, a, a reaction to the things I say, I think, you know, of my availability in a crisis. When somebody wants to pick up that drink, I always say, my phone number's on my LinkedIn, it's on everywhere. You want to pick up that drink if you're in Miami and you need somebody, I'll be there. So, but I can't do that all over the world. I'm not Superman, you know. I'm lo- I'm loving this game, and I, I and I and Larry, you and I could go on and on. Um, and can. I gotta give I gotta give it to them in pieces because people have a you know the overload. But let the people know, and you've mentioned it throughout this whole time. What is a community give back that you are doing or one that you would even like to do in the future, maybe? Um, in COVID, uh, I, I developed a relationship through um, the park down the street. This park was proposed, huge regional parks called Ives Park. And through it, um, the Orange Bowl Committee constructed a beautiful artificial turf and there's when we lost our old facilities, all of our sports programs died. And so a lot of those kids went to North Miami Beach or the Miami Gardens or Hallandale or because there's so many communities around us. So when you talk about community, there's two things. There's if you live in a sole community, like let's say you live in, in Thomasville, Georgia, there's only one entity that's doing everything, probably one group that's in charge of everything. When you're here, You can literally be everywhere or in a specific zone. I can't fix air conditions in Homestead and in Jupiter because I can't respond fast enough. So I work in the territory I can work because my power is only working. I'm too tired driving around. Gas is expensive, all that other nonsense. So years, years ago, I met these young football players and they just started turning out some killer Instagram stuff. And so I said, 
I want to sponsor your Instagram stuff. So I went on there and they said, okay, I'll put you up as collaborator. I didn't change it. I didn't do anything. And their hundred posts were seen by thousands. What was their goal? What did, I know what these kids' goals are. It's everyone's goal. Get likes and follows because likes and follows mean automated money. Anybody who doesn't have an automated Instagram channel, automated YouTube channel is missing out. You know, isn't using affiliate links, all those things. So I showed them this stuff. I showed them how the sponsors on the wall at the events will turn into your collaborators on your Instagram and kaboom, the water company and all this other thing. And next thing you know, these kids are going off to college and they're making three grand a month. So these are two or three kids. I can show that to a hundred people. There is never every day somebody turns 12, 16 and 18 and wants to consume content every day. It's insane. You know, and so like just like there's every day, 18,000 air conditioners are sold in the United States. So who wouldn't want to be in the air conditioning game? That doesn't count the ones that we fix. You know what I'm saying? So it's really about the scale. So when you're in a community like mine, where if I go that way, it's a tight net community. I go that way. It's a tight community. You go that way. Like they'll never touch each other. My job is to pull them together. There's a vacuum in this area. I call this a commuter community. Everyone who's moved in or out of it has lived in it into another area, this California club area. It's all condominiums and they're nice. <laughs> I wish I owned all of them. But, but so, so when I say this area lacks, and, and I have proof of this, when you look at the transition rate of students in and out of the elementary schools, transfer rate, it used to be much higher. Now it's gotten much lower because the school's gotten better. It's true. It has gotten better, you know, and so you start and you say, what are the problems around me? Because you can't fix other problems if you're surrounded by them, you know. Mm -hmm. And so for the most part, my friends, who many have done quite well, we're, we're quick to move to Weston, you know, um, the ones that didn't move that far because of maybe of comfort or they could still be close to home, moved out to that West Broward, Cooper City area. And now I'm watching a migration of people to North Carolina that look like me. Like Eminem said, that look like me and walk like me and talk like me, act like me. You know, every day, another person, and I'm not going to say that, I'm going to say more middle class. Yeah, they're white because if you talk about it, but, but even people of color have gone to much places, Tampa, other places, and been vastly more successful because... It, the temperature's just not right here, like like Dave Chappelle says. The temperature's too hot. <laughs> no, and and I'm new. I've been here in South Florida for two years, but this was an answered prayer from being a snowbird when we'd come, when we lived in Seattle, when we would live in Texas, when we lived in Massachusetts. Florida was always, you know, to get that that good weather. Uh, I see the same problems here that I see everywhere else. And I do mean everywhere else because there's no nirvana. You go out of the country, you have the same issues, especially when you start learning, you know, the different politics and languages. This is information that, I mean, you have so much information. Have you thought or put together a podcast, a book, in anything, a course that people can tap into? Most of the work that I do um is connecting people. It's really analog. It's old school. Because even with all that, it's just the more that I know about what someone does, the more doors that we can go to and say, this is a solution to your problem. Let me give you an example. Mm -hmm. um, I had known this gentleman as a character online, uh, Clubhouse and a few other places. And then we started talking about some common interests. And one of my areas of interest is technology, development, um, uh, the helium network, um, which is a really important thing that people don't really understand. Um, and but, but where we met, um, the common place where we met was drones. So drones, there's a commercial side to the drones and a huge void. So it, it's like, Unlike the, uh, the people who are your competition, if somebody says, oh, you do drones, they're like, oh, well, come on, let's collaborate immediately. That's how the community is because they know what they're up against, but they replace a whole bunch of expensive things, the things that people don't want to talk about, surveys, 
Every time you sell a house, you can sell a house five times in one year, you're going to pay for all the same nonsensical paperwork, closing and title costs and all that. So what if they can create a way through artificial intelligence and machine learning to put tethered drones in the air and watch a construction site for things like the width of a diameter or the things that are off, fly it around and do all those calculations that man can't do so that a surf sign doesn't happen again. You know, so we don't lose a building that we know was already in danger. We, we know that. I was on the unsafe structures board of, of Miami-Dade County. I was appointed, this was back uh, probably 23 years ago. And um, we came across the Country Walk Estates House. And I got interested in it. I was appointed to this quasi-judicial panel. And it actually was a legal panel. We rendered judgments that were only appealable to the courts. And so now you're starting to understand that they could suck a homeowner in and the next thing you know, he could be up in front of a court case if the neighbor was pushy or if the neighbor had power, right? So I became, I was the, I was appointed almost as a community person. So I became an advocate. So I immediately couldn't lead it because I had an agenda, which was to fight for stuff. So when, when we fast forward, our Vita gets bought by Disney. Now Disney gets cited as an unsafe structure, all these buildings. And as they go through it, it's very simple. There is no rebar tying the, mat, the concrete pad to the building. They could just blow away. Hmm. I didn't really see that as being workable. I didn't see that as being something that I could allow to go out of here without us giving some leadership to. So we made them fix it. We made them make the plans and prove it. And it cost them hundreds of millions of dollars. But that's what one little person can do. Now, fast forward 25 years. And I'll disclose it right here. My condominium is 40 years old, just like Surfside. So we have to get a certification. Well, we're already cited by the Unsafe Structures Board. I just went, I didn't even know it. The board I served on cited me. So when I call up and say to, when I email and I say to the director, I say, hey, could you add me as a, as a, a party, I don't want to be like I'm throwing my weight. I don't need weight. I'm a schmuck here on my patio. I just want him to know that this is important, not just to me, but to all condominiums. And ultimately, and so part of fixing my condominiums problems is telling others who have the same problem and don't know what to do for all the same reasons. They can't find contractors. They don't know what to do. They don't know what to do. It's expensive. They got to face their problems. These are this is my property alone. We add up values $50 million of all the 115 people in here. It's divided up and I own a part of that. But let's get real about it. Who's leading the condo? Who's leading the PTA? Who's leading anyone, uh, the local homeowners association? Uh, if you live in a gated community, you have a, you have a planned development association, a PUD. That's PUD, whatever that is, Pan Urban Development. That sits over and makes the rules of your association. You have the, 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 the Mosquito Control Board. You have the Land and Soil Board. All these, people, these positions need, need leadership, where a lot of people just don't want to be because of the political climate of the past. Maybe some of that has changed, you know? It's kind of the, the big versus little theory. You know, when COVID hit, Everything that was big shut down and everything that was little kind of kept going. So if you could foresee the hundred year cycle of pandemics that has shown itself, which I didn't, I know I just said, the things I said were like to my friends who are nurses, like you should, like when it started, you should shut down and go into testing. Those people are going to get rich. You don't see any nurses from Broward County or Dade County that started a testing company and got rich. I see a dozen doctors in my LinkedIn feed and I see a couple of very large corporations that had the technology to respond to this. You know, there's Reef yeah. Technology, Nomi Miami, and everybody wants to come back around and say, why were you in Publix parking lot? Well, Publix long ago figured out where they put their stores is where people want to go. So you give shots at Publix. You should give shots everywhere. I watch a lot of shots be given at, at, the, at the Dolphin Stadium. I watch a lot of shots be given at a lot of different places. Uh, but were we ever in real viability for the contracts to distribute those things? Hell no, we're just not. We're not powerful enough. 
individuals, not me, not you, not the color of my skin, not the annoying voice that I have. We're just not. We're only more powerful when we get together. And then if you take, if you, I like to work with the opposite. You look at the extreme. So like January 6th, you saw all that now that they're telling us about it. You saw them plan it in December and November and go back and back. Politics is a great example of it. But the truth is ugly. You know, we know Washington crossed the Potomac. We don't know how many slaves it took to carry all that shit there. You know, those truths are never told. You know, well, those are the truths they're trying to hide and, and they don't want to they don't want those things coming out. And, you know, they, I mean, in Texas and say, we could talk. Yeah, good. Yeah, I mean, they absolutely. Talk, they, they talk about, you know, it's slavery is what um, it forced uh, migration or whatever. And it's like, can we just do like George Carlin would and just say what the yeah. truth is? <laughs> I mean, can we, j- you yeah. know, can we just be clear and and then with that, we could have some healing, but with healing, and I know some of you are like, you guys are on a tangent. You're going here to there. Yeah. That's, how there I, that's how I talk on a that good day. Do. That's how I talk on a good day. What I want to do, Larry, though, for the, the, the time being, um, and I know we'll talk off air, if you can let people know if they want more information on anything that we've talked about, what's the best way to contact you and any last words for them? Well, the best way to contact me is probably to send me an email um, because uh, unless you have an emergency, I can call me, you know, link in with me on LinkedIn and my phone number is there or Instagram or whatever. And we could put links wherever I'm sure because we're all technological. Um, but, but, you know, if you got an emergency, call me, <laughs> text me first and say, hey, I heard you here and I got a problem because um, I do uh, a crisis. I've done a lot of crisis management for people. And it's really important how you respond the first few hours and minutes. And that's why, why my face isn't in front of the camera with a lot of politicians. It's behind that because somebody needs to help them say the right thing and do the right thing and then make sure it's happening. And the, the disconnect is not just between you and the world. Um, so to make the connect, that was good. I should be a rapper. Um, <laughs> Uh, to make the connect, just let's link in. Uh, uh, LinkedIn is the best way. You know, uh, my Facebook is for family stuff, you know, uh, my fraternity, <laughs> uh, you know, but uh, and Instagram is an awesome way. I understand Instagram. I'm not on TikTok. I don't have that energy yet, you know. Um, and then uh, generally, uh, when we hook in, we just get into texting. You know, I have a partner who's a computer programmer and really understands um, organizing life and organizing media. And so without him, I wouldn't be anything. I wouldn't be talking to you now. You know what I mean? Like he sends me my reminders and fixes my phone and does all sort of stuff because I didn't, you know, I just went to T-Mobile yesterday on a tangent and the guy looks at me and he was like 31. And I'm like, Mr. Jonathan, let me explain something to you. You just told me my bill's only gonna be $330. When I was 20, I didn't have a $330 bill. There wasn't this thing called cellular phones. So you're, what you're doing is you're telling me I need something that I was born in and I didn't need when I was born. I, you have to convince me I need this. Don't tell me I got to pay an extra $200. And then at the end of it, he was such a good salesman. I just told him I was busting this. Was, you know, I was busting him. But, you know, like, and on the way out, the manager's like, remember, when you get a review, it's not T-Mobile or Sprint. It's Jonathan. And I'm like, I do remember that. And that's what people forget. They forget the nexus. They forget all that. So just reach out. There's, there's an email. I, I read all my email, you know, I really do. Um, and then LinkedIn is a great way to interact because it's kind of, it's kind of like vets you, you know what I mean? You could go and see who's endorsed people and in the world. And that's why I do a lot of coaching and I publish a lot of stuff on my LinkedIn about how to be more successful on those social media platforms. Um, that coincides with my daughter's job of being like a social media manager for her school. So like everything in life, it helps if it's, if it's part of your life's mission. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then also keeping the other stuff organized and running. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm literally always here. <laughs> you, you guys have got the game. I, let me give you guys, sales guys, a tip. When you say only to the customer, I only want you to waive that fee because, I, you know, when you're buying a bed, you hear guys say, well, it's only 10 grand, but you get all these features. Do you have that bed? No, you don't. 
When I buy a car, <laughs> same thing. So don't tell me only with my money because unless you want to waive that and you can pay it. I tell my kids the same thing. If it's only $20, then you give it to me. You guys make sure you give us some comments, whether you're listening to this in Freetown, Sierra Leone at AYV Radio, our latest partner. Hopefully that we're still getting played out there. I can't hear it on this side, so I don't know. Somebody let me know. And iTunes, Spotify, iHeart are the minority, which I hope kicks up soon on YouTube. Make sure you share this game. It will change somebody's life. Be blessed, y'all. Hi, everyone. Have you ever been curious about visiting Africa? Which African country were you interested in? Kenya, Nigeria, Uganda, South Africa, Ethiopia. Which country are you interested in? My good friend, Kellen Cash Coleman, came up with a course called My First Trip to Africa that'll guide you through this process. It's only $20, and in this course, you'll learn about passports, visas, vaccinations that you need before you go there, as well as a budget, uh, how much the trip is going to cost. He also talks about what you should pack, uh, what you should take with you, how you should travel on a budget. Did you know that $100 US dollars is worth 1,000 South African rand and over 10,000 Kenyan shillings? So imagine what you can do with $100 back home. I say back home because I'm from Sudan, I'm African, I already know how it's like. I know that, you know, when you convert Canadian and American money, it goes a long way when you're traveling across Africa. So if you're curious, um, if, if Africa is a place that you've always wanted to go, always wanted to move there, Kellen Cash is the person to ask. Check out the course. There's a little preview you can listen to. Um, before you actually purchase it. If you're interested in this course, visit www.diversifiedgame.com. Don't miss out.